Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the VandySports.com podcast with your host, Chris Lee. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, George Plaster. We will talk Vanderbilt football in the aftermath of the Ole Miss game. The guest line is presented by Bowl and Branch, started by Vanderbilt graduates Scott and Missy Tannen. I had no clue how comfortable Bowl and Branch sheets could be until I got some. They are fair trade certified, meaning they are made under safe conditions by men and women treated and paid fairly. Try them free for a month. You can return them, but you won't want to. Once you get the sheets, try the mattress. That was voted the best mattress of 2018. Go to bowlandbranch.com. That is spelled B-O-L-L. Enter the promo code VANDY and get $50 off your first set of sheets. The news is presented by our friends at Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in any type of accident, give Taylor or Russell a call at 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help, and please tell me you heard about it on the Vandy Sports Podcast. Well, Saturday's game, not a pretty one. Vanderbilt falls 54-21 to Ole Miss in Nashville. The Commodores were down 54-14 at the end of the third quarter. Ole Miss's Matt Corral and Elijah Moore set all kinds of school records. The Commodores now fall to 0-4 with Mississippi State up next week in Starkville. The title sponsor of our podcast this year is Jody Jones DDS, trusted for his creative design and committed to both the function and aesthetics of your smile, Jody Jones provides a range of sought-after dental and cosmetic dentistry services at his practice in Nashville. He's earned the title of number one in Nashville for his cosmetic dentistry and provides a unique luxury environment for patients who want his famous Hollywood smile or other services. Patients enjoy getting services from Dr. Jones and his attentive team in a spy-like atmosphere. Dr. Jones has worked with many artists, movie stars, and celebrities over the years and is dedicated to providing first-rate results to all of his patients. He never compromises quality so patients can be confident they will always receive the highest level of care. Thank you to Jody Jones DDS for making this season of the podcast possible. George Plaster joins us for this episode of the podcast. George has a daily show on Nashville Sports Radio every day from 2 to 4. George, thank you for joining us. How are you this evening? Happy to do it. Hope uh, you're well. Hope all the listeners are doing okay. We are well here in the Lee household. Unfortunately, things not well with Vanderbilt football. Uh, We have reached that point of the season four games in where it's just kind of like the same thing every week, except I would say this week in some ways it got worse, in some ways it got better. There was the offensive end of it. And you can say Ole Miss's defense isn't very good, which would be correct. Uh, but we didn't know that Vanderbilt could move the ball or score on anybody. So at least there was that. But the problem is, George, that game was over basically a few plays after halftime. I don't think there was a lot of doubt before that. Ole Miss took its foot off the gas for basically the last quarter and a half, and Vanderbilt still gave up. 650-something yards, uh, just 
it is hard to watch this defense and this team right now. Oh, absolutely. Look, they've, uh, you know, in the, in the last three home games, they have been outscored. I think I'm right on the math by 101 points. Yes. And no matter how you slice, uh, it indicates a complete lack of any competitive nature or whatsoever. And it's a serious problem. It's, it's as bad a football as I've seen Vandy play in a long time. And that's saying something. George, you and I have seen a lot of bad football at Vanderbilt spanning several decades. This feels like a team to me that has no shot against anybody on that schedule unless that other team just is a total no-show. This team is as uncompetitive as any I've seen in a while at Vanderbilt. Yeah, one of the problems with all this is it's not the upper echelon of the SEC that's doing this to them. Ole Miss, South Carolina, LSU, um, you know, right now I think you'd put all of them in the bottom half of the conference, and in a lot of cases, you know, the bottom third. And that's what's really disturbing. That and the fact that when you watch them, it looks like a team that has very little strength. They get pushed around a lot, um, miss a lot of tackles, don't seem to have a lot of team speed. They're really not very good at anything. You're correct. It's hard to identify anything that they are good at. I will say that Ken Seals had a good game, and at least they were competent offensively for a good bit of the game. And yet still, even with that, they're down 54-14 to 14 at the end of the third quarter. Frankly, Ole Miss took its foot off the gas. And here they are with a 33-point home loss to a team that was one and four coming in and is probably not going to be anywhere near the top of the league at the end of this season. Well, it looked like they could if, if they needed to. And luckily for everybody, mercifully, they didn't have to. Seals is the one bright spot that you sit there and you look at for the future and say, okay, he's the least of their problems. And he is, um, and as important as quarterbacks are in college football, that may, be, that may be a big building piece down the road, but it still doesn't diminish the fact that they've been beaten. If my math is right, 101 points in the last three games. Yes, your math is correct. And Maybe the worst thing is I don't know that any of those three teams are going to end up in the top half of the league at the end of the season. LSU might have had a shot potentially just because there's so much talent there and you never know when things are going to click, but it got destroyed by Auburn. So really just not a lot of silver linings out of any of this. Yeah, it's just not a good look uh, right now. And while no one thought this was going to be anything to write home about it's even worse than most of us thought and uh and there's not a lot of uh there's not a lot of entertainment value to this Uh, i think we can all agree on that it's painful to watch i think back to woody woodenhofer's defenses and of course woody had his moments where they were about this bad too but it felt like for the most part at least on defense, they were going to be competitive and their offense was going to stink. It is really hard to fathom how 
defensive minds like Mason and Ted Roof, he's very well respected. And of course, Mason had that reputation coming to Nashville as well. How bad under that direction this defense can be just so completely uncompetitive? And if that's where your bread is buttered, at some point, do you have to say, I'm not the guy for the job? It doesn't strike me that he's a guy ready to do that, but boy, there, there are times you wonder, right? Well, the problem is, without knowing what's going on behind the scenes, it's a much different game than it was, say, 15, 20 years ago, because the money is so much bigger than it was back then that coaches are not going to do that on their own. They're not just going to walk in and say, listen, I forfeit whatever the number is, let's say $7 million. They're not going to do that. Now, they may approach an AD and said, Hey, let's talk. I'm open to, you know, negotiating 50 cents on the dollar or whatever. Uh, but we don't know whether that's happening, not happening. So anything I would say is just a lot of speculation with zero proof. And I think you have raised another interesting question, and that's who's in charge over there. And that is a place where I'm having a hard time getting answers. And I mean that on the administrative side. I mean that on the AD side. I just don't know that anybody knows right now, as best I can tell, who is pulling the strings. Well, these are not great times for, for Vanderbilt athletics. And who knows? Again, what's going on behind the scenes? Um, you, you've had an unusual hire of a sitting athletic director uh, on the Division One level to come in here, which has raised all kinds of speculation as to wh- why would that person do that? And none of us know the answer to that. That's a little bit of why people have been led to that. I just can't help but think, that this time two years ago, they were going through the process for vetting ADs and all those things. How much trouble could the school have saved itself just by hiring a trained AD who knows how that stuff works from the beginning? Because this is a disaster. Yeah, it it is a disaster. And to answer the question, sure. That's probably the route they should have gone. They didn't. Uh, Malcolm Turner got a standpoint ended, you know, a year ago, right about now, around the time they got smoked by a a really bad UNLV team. Uh, But it hasn't happened. And, um, you know, we move on. Do you think administratively they are capable of humility or admitting they made mistakes ever? Well, I, I don't know all the people in the middle of this. Um, I, I have not covered this anywhere near as close as you have. So anything I would say is just plucking stuff out of thin air. Um, you know, you got a new chancellor. Unfortunately, you have the same Kirkland around him. So who knows what kind of struggles he's dealing with and what kind of, you know, load of bull he's having to fight through. Um, It's just not a real pretty picture. 
Let's go to the mailbag. That is sponsored by Vanderbilt fan Josh Minton, an independent insurance agent operating out of Brentwood who can take care of your insurance needs. Call him today at 615-933-1979. Email him at josh at hqinsurance.com. Follow him on Twitter at joshuminthnhq or facebook.com forward slash jdmintonhq. He is my insurance agent. Give him a try and tell him you heard about his business on the Vandy Sports Podcast. Door King says, how can anyone defend Eric Mason at this point? Well, I'm not defending him. Um, a, a change needs to be made. And that, that sounds ugly. Uh, but this is a big business. And while I feel for the families that are involved in it, the head coach makes a lot of money. And so, you know, before you you know, start to, you know, feel like you need to do the telethon or something. Just remember these people, no matter how this works out, uh, at the head coaching point are are making a ton of money. And so I'm not defending. Uh, I I think a coaching change is needed. Uh, The problem is I think it's been needed for at least a year now. I think to prolong this, any more than this season would be a huge disservice to everybody involved. Well, let's be honest, too. Budgeting and accounting and who pays for what over there have been big issues when it comes to athletics. The thing that I've always said is if you've got someone that you know that you need to move on from, you need to do it as soon as you can possibly do it or it's just going to lead to one problem after another, after another down the line. And the thing is, George, you know as well as I know, David Williams needed to go several years before he went. And they didn't make the move. I, I don't think that David was exactly burning the midnight oil in terms of his effort. I don't think that was a big secret. And what happened? They, they let David stick around, and then David has handed out this terrible contract that now is just like a burden around the neck of football. And somebody at the school should have stopped it. And I think because these schools negligence, I think the school needs to eat this one. And I don't think it needs to be athletics problem. Well, I think by the end of the season, if this were allowed to go on much longer without some sort of resolution, I think you're going to get, you know, a lot of public backlash. Uh, start to happen that that they can't support this. Uh, One of the things that has camouflaged what really was going on was COVID. I mean, let's face it, they weren't going to sell probably more than 5,000 season tickets. And so most of their SEC games, instead of in an empty facility, would have looked like an SEC jailbreak. And at least they've been spared that. Um, but you know, that's, that's about all there is to it. Next question from door King. Will Vanderbilt have to commit to major stadium improvements to get a top notch coach or can it essentially bribe someone to come? Boy, that is a wonderful question. Yeah. I mean, look, who knows at this point? I mean, I think we can pinpoint a couple that we suspect would be on their wish list. Are those people smart enough to hold their feet to the fire? I hope so, um, because that seems to me 
right now about the only shot that uh, this fan base has getting improvements in that stadium, which are, are badly needed. Uh, as we all know, it's not exactly a, this just in. Um, so the answer is, I would assume that most coaches are going to ask the hard questions. Is there one or two maybe that would be so happy to be in the SEC that they give in to this? Uh, maybe. If they're that dumb, they deserve what they get. I think the difference maybe this time to others, and maybe it won't matter, the thing that I'm always fond of saying is it only takes one guy, right? It's not a popular vote. Uh, it doesn't matter if 100 coaches turn you down. If one tells you yes and he's good, that's all that matters. But in the past, a lot of their nonsense and their lack of commitment was almost more urban legend where they could sort of deny it and those sorts of things. Now it's kind of more out in front of everyone, I believe. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that has changed is that nobody's fooled anymore. Uh, even the most diehard Vanderbilt fan has figured out that Kirkland is a huge problem, that there's not a commitment there. And, um, you know, no longer is it a secret and it's not like it was 25, 30 years ago when I used to yell and scream about this. Now everybody knows nobody has to scream and yell. The thing I keep hearing, and look, I almost hesitate to say it because I make no more warranties for Vanderbilt at this point. I don't really trust anything. Uh, until I see it, until I see shovels in the ground and plans and such. But the word pretty consistently for a while is they are getting, I don't know that I want to say close, but maybe months away from wanting to roll out some stuff uh, with facilities plans. And I think it's going to include major stuff to the stadium, as Source was telling me today. Um, I would presume it's going to include the football building uh, that was supposed to be approved in February. And, and mysteriously, that just kind of went away uh, as soon as Candace Lee took over. So <laughs> all, all that to say, this is sort of like shaking the magic eight ball, but that's the undercurrent that I've been hearing. Uh, the, the question I have is, what do you do about that with coaching candidates? Do you say, hey, this is what we're privately going to roll out? Uh, what do coaches do? Do they say, well, okay, that's great, but do they pull the James Franklin trick, which I would do, and say, okay, that's great. Uh, you're going to build the indoor practice facility, but if it's not completed or it's not at X stage by X date, then I get a bonus in my contract. To me, that's going to be the interesting thing because Malcolm Turner made the chicken-egg argument a couple of years ago or last year uh, whether he meant it or not, I'm not sure. It depends on who you talk to about we can't get the next coach until we get this facilities thing fixed. Well, here they are. A year later, they're no close to having that publicly out there. And that's just the thing that I really wonder is if they do embark on a coaching search, how do they play that end? Well, you and I have both heard that they are farther along in some of this stuff than – some people would believe 
and that they can't do anything until, you know, the whole COVID situation is over with. Okay, I get that. But I think we've reached a point, especially with a fan base that is so frustrated that they could probably do themselves some good to go ahead and announce whatever it is they intend to do and get it out there and say, look, we have the money committed. Um, you know, we would be doing this now except for COVID so that it would be out there. It wouldn't be any big secret. And, you know, who knows, there might be a booster or two that's involved monetarily who would say, yeah, and I'm helping fund it. You know, I find this hard to believe. I spoke with the booster today. He's pretty well connected with things there. And this guy says to me, he says, I just don't think they realize how much support they have lost, uh, which is, again, hard for me to believe. Uh, but but that was an interesting take on things. I think the sadder point is how little they care whether they've lost whatever number of boosters they've lost. I think that's the thing that galls so many of us is to see this fan base one by one, just pitch it in. And I I don't get the feeling that anybody, you know, inside of Kirkland really cares. And that is such a shame. The last question comes from Ann Arbor He asks, let's assume Daniel Deermeyer is serious about supporting the athletic department, which he sees as a strategic enabler to his vision for the overall university. What does AD success look like after year one, year five, and year 10? And how important is the stadium compared to other student-athlete facilities? Well, very few people have met Deermeyer. The ones that have have said good things about him. And that that's nice to hear. I think we need a little bit more on the record, a little bit more. Here's who I am. Here's what I stand for. Blah, blah, blah. I think right now that that's going to be important because number one, when you get to a coaching search, somebody in that coaching search is going to say, I want to talk to the head man. I want to hear what it is. He's saying what it is he's thinking. And um, at some point, it's going to be important for that guy to step up and spout out the right message. And so far, you know, you hear through some people that, you know, they're encouraged. But I don't think we've heard enough yet to really know who he is or what he is. What will be interesting to me will be who will be on that committee if there is a committee. I mean, John Ingram has always been on that in basically about every coaching search that I can remember on the men's side. I don't know how busy he will be with soccer uh, to be on that. If it comes around this time, I would presume he would probably still be involved, but that would be the other interesting thing is who was on that committee to make that pick. Yeah, I I don't know. Um, You know, Certainly, John should be at whatever table he wants to be at. That said, he's got a lot going on with his soccer team. His soccer team, very quietly, 
in this pandemic has achieved, you know, enough to get in the playoffs in year one of the MLS, which is, you know, absolutely amazing. That doesn't answer your question. I, I don't know who the power brokers are anymore. Uh, I would assume, for instance, a J.R. Hand uh, will be in that. Uh, I would think somebody involved with the Frist family would be in the middle of that. Um, you know, other than that, as far as board of trust, I have no idea. Yeah, my question is how involved the Frists are anymore. I'm not reporting this, but I know at one point they were pretty involved, but you know, the thing that you hear is just people get sick of it after a while, and I think the Frists have turned – a lot of their attention to Innsworth. So that's the other question is, can they sell a vision to get people who were involved in the not too, too distant past uh, excited enough to be players in this thing? And that's, that's something I think that is, is an interesting angle to watch. It is an interesting angle. And again, I don't pretend to know the answer as to, you know, who's interested, who's not interested. It is an interesting thing because I think there are a lot of people who have been on this bandwagon and who have said, screw it. So I, I don't know who the players are anymore or who they aren't. Um, boy, it'd be a tough thing to sell, though. I would ask Tim Corbin to be on that committee. Would you, if you're making that call? Absolutely. Look, I think, uh, I think they need to have him as involved in the rebuilding of athletics as they possibly can, because he's one, he's been the one consistent. Uh, he, he's gotten them to a national caliber kind of level. And he's also done it with people uh, fan base, knowing him, liking him, uh, you know, he gets out and kisses babies and shakes hands a little bit. And, you know, the, the rest of that group is complete zero when it comes to the PR and kissing babies and shaking hands. They need Tim involved in any way they can get him involved. Yeah, it was just amazing to me that when they went through all the stuff with the AD where they got like, literally two dozen people on the committee. And it's, I understand a lot of it's ceremonial. And I think there were just a small handful of people that made that pick, but that to me was just staggering that Tim was not involved in any sort of way. And maybe he didn't want to be, I don't know. I've not asked him out of respect, but you got one guy over there that knows what it takes to win to succeed. And I don't know how much he gets consulted on things. Well, I don't either, uh, and I really haven't asked him that question, but I would hope that Deermeyer would be smart enough to say, okay, if and when the time comes that there's the need for any kind of search, that, uh, that Deermeyer, if nobody else, would be smart enough to say, I want this guy involved. George, that is the end of the mailbag. Anything worth speaking about with Vanderbilt that we didn't get to tonight? No, other than I hope 
we get to a point where all this COVID allows baseball to happen this spring. Holy cow. Oh, um, well, and the we next thing, a- the next thing coming is basketball. And I've heard that's going to be a very abbreviated out of conference schedule. Yeah. Um, you know, here we are in November and the truth of it is nobody really knows what's quite going to go down in the college basketball world. And that's such a shame because I just don't think college basketball can afford another year of the kind of uncertainty it's been through. So for what it's worth, there's my two cents worth. (laughs) Well, I'm with you on that. George, thank you for joining me this week. I should be on your show. We usually do that on Tuesdays, but tell folks about your show, where they can find it, your Twitter handle, those sorts of things. Yeah, thank you uh, for the opportunity. Um, 560 on the uh, AM dial, 95.9 on FM from 2 to 4 o'clock, Monday through Friday. And I do have a Twitter handle, and if you don't believe it, Go to George Plaster TN. It'll shock you. <laughs> and yes, indeed. George, thanks for joining us tonight, and we will join up with you again next week. Chris, look forward to it. Thank you. As do I. He is George Plaster. I am Chris Lee, the host of the Vandy Sports Podcast. We appreciate you listening and should be back with several episodes coming later this week.